Hello and welcome to SDAB About Health. I'm Rom Gaioso, co-host. We're broadcasting via Futures Television, the home of the future on television. If you're watching the show on Futures Television, listen to it as a podcast or a, as a recorded event on one of the social media platforms or watching it on our new futuresnetwork.tv video on demand platform, you too can be part of the conversation. Just visit our Twitch channel and that is IMCI Magazine where we continue to chat about the topic of the day. You can also access this information on our website, and that is www.futurestelevision.com. So don't be shy. Today, we speak with Dr. Jay Joshi, the healthcare contrarian. He's a physician, book author, and publisher of The Daily Remedy on futuresnetwork.tv. He's just returning from pain week, and we are going to hear all about it. Folks, thank you so much for your feedback. We have been working very, very hard to bring you the latest and greatest on healthcare and wellness topics. We heard your feedback, and here's the result. We are lining up top physicians, healthcare experts, and patient advocates to address health topics and to answer your questions. There's a lot to talk about on this topic, but Deb and I can cover the basis. First, let me say a few words about the show. The talk show is broadcast every other Thursday at 11 a.m. Central Time, where I join Deb Beats to discuss a variety of health and wellness topics. Do you have a condition, and are you looking for more information about it? Do you want to hear firsthand information about research and new discoveries? How about meeting top experts in a variety of fields? If you're seeking information, get your answers and build your confidence. If you want to prepare for your next consultation and your goal is to build health literacy, then this show is for you. Folks, this show is for informational purposes only. Neither the host nor I nor the guests are giving medical advice. For the health care you need and deserve, see your healthcare professional for that. So let's get started with me sharing a few words about our show host, Deb Dietz. Deb has a long and distinguished career as a coach, mentor, and through her awesome training programs and SMB digital education, she has enabled many people to find the information they need. That's exactly what I like about her. It's her ability to investigate and talk about tough topics while helping all of us find the information we need. Well, if you have a health-related question, let's ask Deb. Without further ado, let's welcome Deb Dietz to the show. How are you doing today, Deb? I'm great, Ram. How about you? Wonderful to see you today. Say a few words about our show. Absolutely. I wanted to welcome everybody. Welcome uh, to our show today. Uh, our show really focuses on helping people build their health literacy skills, which are very, very important so that we are all able to find and access care to prevent certain health conditions, to manage some conditions that we may be experiencing, to help us communicate effectively with our healthcare team, and to make informed decisions. And so we invite subject matter experts on our show, uh, experts like Dr. Jay Joshi, who's with us today. And we discuss health and wellness related topics. And really the purpose of our show, our show promise, if you will, is that um, we want you to be able to make good decisions about your health and get the medical care that you need. How wonderful. So let me say a few words about our guest today. Deb and folks today, our guest is Dr. Jay Joshi. In addition to his practice in Chicago, he is the chief editor at The Daily Remedy. The Daily Remedy offers the best in healthcare information and healthcare editorial content. Dr. Josh is committed to ensuring his audience is well-informed about current healthcare topics. Folks, this show, as well as Dr. Josh's content, are for informational purposes only. We do not provide medical advice 
if diagnosis or treatment. Please visit your healthcare provider for that. Well, without further ado, let's welcome Dr. Joshi to the show. How are you doing today? <laughs> Wonderful to see you. Hi, Dr. Oh. Jay. Hi, how are you guys doing? Thank you for having me. So, so great to, to have you here to talk about Pain Week. Uh, we're really very excited to uh, to hear about your experience there. And uh, for those of you that uh, that may not know, Pain Week is the place, the preferred resource for frontline practitioners who treat uh, acute and chronic pain. And so, Dr. Joshi, I know that you were a speaker at the conference. And uh, before we kind of get into what uh, some of your key takeaways were, uh, tell us a little bit about your journey uh, and how you actually got here. How, what was it about, about the, the management of pain and helping people with you know, managing through that that was so compelling to you of all the medical specialties available to you? Um, what was it about pain that, that drew you to, into that kind of treatment? Certainly, simply put, pain is the most prevalent symptom that most patients will present with when you encounter in them in the primary care setting. As a primary care physician, I see a whole host of chronic conditions, acute conditions, whether it's diabetes, hypertension, and the most prevalent symptom that I would continue to see is pain. If a patient has diabetes and they develop nerve damage in the feet, more likely than not, they're gonna complain of the pain in the feet more than anything else. And the prevalence of pain, given how stigmatized it has become, really introduces many complicating factors in the treatment of pain. You have clinical input, you have non-clinical input, legal, medical, and all of these swirl together to create the perception of pain, both in the minds of us as providers and as patients. And it's that complexity that really drew me into pain because when you treat pain, you're not just treating a symptom, you're treating a perception. And given my experience being targeted by the DEA, I understood firsthand the legal implications of why pain is so stigmatized. So with that knowledge in hand and resuming my clinical practice in treating many of the same patients, I developed a new insight into the treatment. And I really wanted to share that with folks so they can understand that, yes, pain is a very complex condition. And by understanding both the clinical and non-clinical components of pain, you can be more effective in treating it. Thank you for that. And, you know, it's interesting. I know that in your remarks at the conference, you talked about the philosophy of pain. So tell us a little bit about what that means. What is that? Certainly. When you talk about philosophy, you talk about a particular knowledge, set of insights, whether that's ancient philosophy, modern philosophy, it all boils down to a way of thinking. And I wanted people to understand that in order to treat pain, we must first understand how we think about pain. And for many people, pain is something that they experience in their earliest days. We all remember as kids incurring some sort of injury, whether it's the playground or playing some sort of sports activity. Pain is one of the most iconic symptoms that we as children present with. And when we're children, we don't have any medical knowledge. We don't have the experience of Google or whatnot. We just know what we feel. And that is our first understanding of pain. And so I wanted people to understand that pain is both an experience and a symptom. It's seen both clinically and non-clinically. And as we get older, accumulate more life experiences, all of those perspectives come together and distill into one major thought pattern. And that's really how we understand pain. 
So before we can even talk about how we're going to treat pain, I encourage providers to first understand how they think about pain. Interesting, because you talked about the need to recognize patterns of thought about pain. Can you be more specific? Sure. And in the presentation, I went through a couple of philosophical frameworks on how people look at pain. One of the most common is the Stoic philosophy, where pain is something to be endured, that your self-worth as a person is directly related to your ability to overcome pain. Now, whether that's fair or unfair, it's a perception that exists. Another perception that exists is that some pain is justified, some pain is not justified. We all experience it. When we're children and somebody is being a bully on the playground and that person then falls and hurts himself or herself, we say, oh, well, that person had it coming. Right? So there is this notion that pain can be justified. Pain is not justified. Pain is something to overcome. So we internalize and create moralistic frameworks on how we understand pain based on our life experiences. And it's abound throughout literature. When you look at some of the medieval Christian poets or you look at some of the modern writers, Leo Tolstoy, they all opined on the perception of pain in distinctly non-clinical ways. And that influences us. The perceptions of antiquity, the perceptions of authors and prominent leaders throughout history influence how we think about pain today. And that seems like a stretch, but once we start to realize what kind of moralistic frameworks we put on the pain itself, we quickly realize these things have origins that lie very deep at the most utmost recesses of our subconscious. And that's really how we think about pain. Wow, that's so interesting. You talk about the moralization of pain. And, and now I get it. That, that, that is really, really interesting. Um, but it's such a subjective topic, right? Uh, so, you know, how do you talk to people about pain? Because it is so subjective. You know, it's interesting you mentioned that. I talk to people about pain by encouraging them to talk about pain. And one of the interesting things about pain is that people often become self-conscious when discussing their own pain because the pain you experience is very different than the pain perceived by other people. If you go to a medical office and you say, I have pain three out of 10, that's a number and it kind of quantifies how you feel, but really that's just another perception. That's just another subjective framework. Mm -hmm. So that three out of 10 could be seen as a five out of 10 by the person listening or a one out of 10 by the person listening. And then it goes back and forth. So the more we try to objectify and quantify pain, like we tend to do in medicine, the more subjective it becomes because we're adding layers and layers of perceptions. We try to create functionality assessments where you not just talk about the pain as a number, but you also talk about the functional skills you're able and not able to do. And that in itself is a subjective perception. How do you know you can't do this? How do you know you can do this? It's what you believe. And I think when people start to understand how the more and more we try to slice and dissect pain, the more complex and subjective it becomes because there's data and then there's a perception of the data. The two are forever intertwined. And for us to really understand the management of pain, we have to see that those two will always be linked. Wow. Well, let's talk specifically about the clinical presentation of pain. Um, what, what is that, the actual clinical presentation? 
When a patient presents with pain, the first thing you want to do is really get a sense of its characteristics, sharp, dull, radiating. So you try to identify characteristics that can make sense of the pain itself. That's what we're all taught to do as physicians, and it's endemic in our thought process. So it's just inherent. This is a thought process. This is what we need to do. But you also want to get a sense of how it's affecting the patient himself or herself, because those are critical factors in understanding what is the best course of treatment. Now, if a patient is presenting with sharp-like radiating pain in the feet with the history of diabetes, more likely than not, it's going to be diabetic neuropathy, nerve pain related to diabetes in the feet. But then the treatment changes based on how much it's affecting the patient. Would you want to give a certain medication? Would you want to try physical therapy? Would you want to try more aggressive blood sugar control? So when you see this presentation of pain, you want to characterize it as you would, as any good clinician would, but you also want to understand its relationship to the patient because the presentation is one thing, but the relationship of pain to the patient should be more informative in how the treatment takes place. Very, very interesting. So say, for example, you've got two different patients and they, they each are experiencing chronic pain. How do you know, how do you approach um, deciding what treatment plan uh, to provide for each of them, even though they, you know, they're, they're both coming in, they've got chronic pain? What's the, you know, what's the decision-making process that you go through? Oh, certainly. So I think I should first address this question by going through different frameworks of thinking. So there's a clinical way of thinking and there's a legal way of thinking. And it's important that we address both so that we have a comprehensive understanding in this day and age where really we see a lot of stigmatization of pain. We really need to understand both ways of thinking. Okay. In the clinical method of thinking about pain, you really want to, as I'd mentioned, identify the characteristics of the pain and the patient's relationship to the pain. And once you identify that, you have a pretty good understanding of what needs to be done. And typically when it comes to pain for chronic pain patients, what you really want to do is understand what additional information we need. That often entails imaging studies or often entails certain blood work. Because for pain, it's often a symptom of an underlying condition. And so you really want to hone in on identifying what that condition is. So clinically, you're balancing the symptom of pain with its underlying characteristics and what is the diagnosis that's leading to the pain. So you don't want to dull the pain too much so that it loses its effect in informing what the clinical presentation is, but you also don't want to ignore it and just chase the condition while sacrificing good patient care at the same time. So you really want to have a good sense of what is the diagnosis you're approaching and what is the symptom that you want to mitigate against as you pursue the diagnosis. So that's really the clinical framework. Now from a legal framework, you want to focus on balancing trust with proper oversight. Now often that may entail engaging in certain orders that are more legal and regulatory in nature that may have less clinical value, but will be more informative in building a relationship with patients. The one example that stands out most clearly is the urine drug screen. Oftentimes when patients come in with chronic pain and they're taking certain medications, namely prescription opioids, there's a big stigma around 
the treatment of that medication without proper legal oversight. So in those instances, you want to engage with urine drug screens, checking the patient's prescription records, and engaging in other regulatory oversights that vary state by state, but it's important to engage in. And often that has no, or at least little clinical value, but it's an opportunity to build a patient-physician relationship by explaining to the patient why you need to do these things. Oftentimes, physicians will simply order these tests without explaining to patients and say, we at least need to maintain some degree of oversight to prevent abuse of medications. You may be taking medications the right way, but in order to ensure that we are both doing things the right way with the right oversight, please go ahead and take this urine drug screen. Or if you don't mind, I'd like to review your prescription history. This way, you take something that may not have much clinical value and may not really dictate the course of care, but provides an opportunity to build a patient-physician relationship by reinforcing a certain level of trust where just by ordering the test, you may, have, you may lose out on that opportunity. You know, I, I love that. So, I mean, you're 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 trying to build this relationship with this patient and being as transparent, right, as you can be, um, too, so that you are able to get to a, a kind of a, a place of trust uh, where they're they have a better understanding, right? Because maybe they may not be asking you uh, right the right questions, but you are communicating why you're asking what you're asking and educating them along the way. Because I think, you know, we all wanna be educated patients as well. And we wanna be able to have a dialogue with our with our, uh, with our healthcare, you know, practitioner. So I think, you know, this is, uh, you know, kind of a, a beautiful thing is you're, you're assessing maybe the root cause of where this pain originated, but you're, you know, and you're, you're th whatever you're thinking about the, you know, the treatment plan or potential treatment plan, you're sharing that, thought process with your patients. So I think by doing so, you are establishing trust and maybe, you know, and who's to say that then fosters a better communication between the two of you. So, you know, so I, I, I love that that approach that you're taking. Um, you were, you know, just at pain week. So this is kind of the place where those people who practice uh, pain and have, you know, are conducting research, um, they're sharing best practices, sharing what they're, you know, what they're doing. What, uh, you know, you, you spoke certainly um, ab about your topic. Can you tell us a little bit about, you know, your experience at Pain Week? What was it about Pain Week that you took away from that experience, from that interaction with other physicians, other healthcare practitioners? What were you, some of the three, say, three things that you took away from that that were most meaningful to you? Certainly, and I'll go in order. Number one, we have to see and understand multiple perspectives of pain. Two, those who are most disenfranchised in the healthcare system should have the loudest voices in the treatment of pain. And then three, the treatment of pain begins and ends with a trusting relationship. And throughout the talks and throughout the various conversations I would have both formally and informally with people attending, I got this constant understanding that we have to do what is right for patients. And there's a balance between navigating the clinical and the legal worlds in a way that is doing right by the patients while also protecting the physicians against undue regulatory harms. And I think having different perspectives, talking to pharmacists, to physicians, to patient advocates, you really get a sense of how the other folks in the healthcare system 
are thinking. And by understanding how they're thinking, you can refine your approach to caring for patients. So you're real, I mean, because there are so many different types of healthcare practitioners that are attending, right? There are physicians, mm -hmm. there's nurse practitioners, there's pharmacists, right, that are there, you know, the psychologists as an example. So you're getting points of view and perspectives um, on pain, on pain management from so many different points of view. So it, so the edge, I would imagine the educational experience was very profound as a result of the, those different and diverse thought, uh, viewpoints. It was, and in fact, that's much needed in the treatment of pain. We in medicine have this tendency to focus on clinical data, randomized controlled trials, and really focus on these prolific scientific studies to really inform and guide clinical care. What we fail to realize is that medicine has always been both a science and an art. And I think the fact that the treatment of pain has gone awry to the degree that it has really indicates that when we look at medicine as just a science, just a data point, we create harm to patients. Wow, that's very, very interesting. Good. Um, so for next time, next time that you attend Pain Week next year, as an example, what would you like to see? Um, as part of that, you know, that that time period, what uh, what types of uh, topics, what uh, would you what would you like to see the content of the conference be next time? Yeah, I'd like to see more folks, pharmacists, physicians, patient advocates. Conduct studies, pilot programs or town hall forums where they really try to study pain through a distinctly non-scientific veneer. And, I'm not saying that we should have, you know, poorly constructed programs. What I'm suggesting is that we should look at pain outside of the evidence-based medicine protocol, outside of the scientific method, and really try to understand pain as it should be understood in medicine, as both an art and a science. And I think we have the tools to do that. We can implement principles from behavioral economics, from philosophy, from literature, to really get a good sense of what pain is and how it's perceived by both the patient and the physician so that we have better tools and techniques to treat pain. Treat wow. I thank you for sharing that. I think that's fascinating and uh, sounds like a, a great program. Um, Maybe for next year. Uh, where they have, you know, providing these different perspectives and different points of view, looking at it at not just scientifically, but, you know, from an artistic point of view as well. Um, mm -hmm. Really, really appreciate that. So um, we'd love to have you, you know, come back again and talk specifically about your book. I know uh, we, you've got your book, The Burden of Pain. Tell us a little bit about your book. Certainly. As I'd mentioned earlier in the conversation, um, in 2018, I was targeted by the DEA using investigational techniques and legal interpretations that the Supreme Court has since outlawed. And going through that experience and seeing the journey of being targeted and then working with policymakers and physician leaders to help rectify the interpretation of law as it pertains to the oversight of prescribing controlled substances, I gained a very unique insight in the treatment of pain, as I'd mentioned, both clinically and legally. And my book really focuses on my direct experiences and then shares insights that I learned from those experiences. 
Wonderful. Everybody, I highly encourage you to check out uh, Dr. J's book, uh, Burden of Pain. And uh, we are actually in the process uh, of uh, launching your channel on Futures Network TV. So, uh, Ram, I would, uh, why don't we take a look at J uh, Dr. J's channel? Of course. And folks, let's take a look at his launch video first. Perfect. Oh, wonderful. I, I really, I really uh, love that video. And so where do you find the daily remedy? Well, folks, you have to go to futuresnetwork.tv. And of course, we're talking about the health features uh, highway here. And inside of healthcare, inside of health futures, you're going to see all of our you know, healthcare content in one place. And of course, this is the, uh, the healthcare contrarian. The Daily Remedy is here, and Dr. Josh is uploading uh, more of his content. Of course, we just hear uh, about Pain Week, and he's going to be bringing a lot, lot more uh, starting this week. So this is this is a wonderful channel. I really love The Daily Remedy and the philosophy of the healthcare contrarian, someone who can speak our, our language, and someone who is passionate about pain, really delivering the best possible care for the patient's but yeah. seeing the patient as a whole person, a well-rounded person, not just yeah. some, some number uh, that, uh, or some ticket number that, that comes through the door at uh, the physician's office. Dr. J is very passionate about helping people, engaging people, helping people overcome some of the worst possible things we can think of, pain, for example. Uh, and Dr. Joshi, how wonderful to see you. And uh, that pain week was amazing. Uh, actually, we should... Uh, we should see the entire presentation. You gave a whole hour presentation on pain, right? That's correct. Wonderful. Okay, folks, uh, looks like uh, uh, we are coming at uh, the end of the show here. It is uh, all the time uh, we had for today. Again, Dr. Joshi, thank you so much for being yeah. here with us and with the audience and sharing uh, all your knowledge about pain. Thank you for having me. And I hope to see you soon, folks. Don't forget the daily remedy on Futures Network. TV is live. Thank you so much and see you next time.